Do you think that classical music is not for you and you don't know where to start? Or maybe you're a fan already and would welcome a fresh approach. You've come to the right place. Perfect pitch is for everyone, beginners or experts, whatever your age. Lend Nick Healy Hutchinson your ears for his weekly dose of classical music that will enrich your life. It's been very encouraging for me to know that a number of younger listeners have picked up this podcast and realised in so doing that there are not only no barriers to this genre of music, but that you can just as easily listen to it alongside Stormzy or Jammer and much else besides. Apologies to the older generation if you've not heard of Stormzy or Jammer. Let's just say that if you think they're weather terms on the shipping forecast, you're in the wrong waters altogether. Last week, we concluded the podcast with a final moment of Richard Strauss's violin concerto, which Donald Tovey had described as a polonaise for polar bears. Today, we're going to start with a very different kind of polonaise, the one which introduces the final act of Tchaikovsky's opera Eugene Onegin. I'm not going to bother you with the synopsis here today, because we're going to revisit the opera another time in more detail. But this is high-spirited and good cheerful stuff, so it doesn't really need any introduction, just enjoy it for what it is. This is the orchestra of the Royal Opera Covent Garden, conducted by George Schulte. I don't know if Schulte had a particular thing for the brass section of the orchestra. All I do know is that under his direction they always get a good and prominent airing. He was principal conductor of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra for 22 years, and their sound with him is instantly recognisable for that particular aspect. And it's centre stage here too, so don't hold back on the volume.
I've now done 11 podcasts without any Schubert, and it's time this matter was addressed. In the very first podcast, I played one of his impromptus, and today I'm going to play another one of his piano pieces, which might just as easily have been included in the impromptu sets. Written in the closing months of his life in 1828, these pieces were left untitled until Brahms discovered them and gave them the highly original title of Drei Klavierstücke, Three Piano Pieces. Because, well, that's exactly what they are. And it's the second of the three, which we're going to hear now, played by Alfred Brendel. Here is the master tunesmith, starting with a very simple and innocent melody, which then gives way to a different key and some slightly more stormy passages, before returning to the original. If you listen carefully, you'll notice Schubert's extraordinary skill for shifting from major to minor key and back again without any lengthy transition periods. It's done in a couple of notes and shows how happy and sad moods sit so closely together in his music. I can't think of any other composer who does it with such ease. At its very heart is this perfectly gorgeous melody which just keeps coming back and which you simply cannot get enough of.
Maria Callas, who lived between 1923 and 1977, is a name known to all who love opera, and perhaps to just as many who don't. Her colourful lifestyle ensured that she was a frequent focus of media attention, especially later in her life, when she became associated with Aristotle Onassis. She possessed all the qualities you might expect for a true diva. Amongst them, a soprano voice with enormous range, but equally important, a stage presence which totally held the attention of her audience, as well as a reputation for the occasional tantrum. Music lovers are divided about the quality of her voice, and her technique was certainly found wanting from time to time. But the power of it is beyond dispute, until it waned in the 60s after a sudden weight loss, bringing her career to an early end. Of the roles she made her own, few were more dramatic than a doomed Tosca in the opera of that name by Puccini. We're going to listen now to possibly the most famous aria in the entire opera, Visi d'Arte, taken from the second act. It's a moving plea in which she concludes, O oh Lord, why do you reward me like this? She can hear as her lover, Cavaradossi, is being tortured by the henchman of Scarpia, the chief of police in Rome, to reveal the whereabouts of an escaped convict. Scarpia, a thoroughly unpleasant individual, has lyingly promised Tosca that if she allows him to have his wicked way with her, he will ensure Cavaradossi's safety. Well, she's having none of that. In a nutshell, the aria says, I've lived for art and love. I've been a good girl and said my prayers. So why, Lord, are you rewarding me like this? Sadly, her pleas fall on deaf ears, as it all goes horribly wrong for everyone. If you've not heard this before, you're in for a treat. Puccini is another of those great tune writers. Be patient, it's a slow lament, but at only just over three minutes long, it's worth the wait. It's all about a steady build-up to a wonderful high E-flat, a note Callas reaches without the slightest strain, as she was actually capable of going a few higher. There are obviously many renditions of this piece. A close second for me is sung by Kiri de Kanoa. I chose Callas for two reasons. First, if you ask any opera lover to name a famous Tosca, Callas would undoubtedly feature more than anyone else. And secondly, it's not just the peak which is tremendous here, but also the way Callas sings the two glorious notes which immediately follow it on the way down. The power of her voice is quite extraordinary. When the opera was first performed in 1900, it lent one critic to describe it as a shabby little shocker. But with its cocktail of love, passion, jealousy, murder and revenge, it's now become one of the repertoire's favourites and most widely performed. The ending sees Tosca realise that her lover has not participated in a fake execution as promised, but that Scarpia, whom she has previously stabbed, has ensured that it is the real thing. The curtain falls as Tosca flings herself off the parapet in despair. The opera has something of a Macbeth curse about it, in that it's famous for a number of things going wrong. The soprano, Ava Turner, admitted to being the recipient of the most famous and comic disaster, which until then many had assumed was apocryphal. We can't be sure of the reasons, whether it was for safety or some kind of revenge, but her stage crew replaced the cushion to take her landing one night with a tightly strung trampoline. Safety might well have been guaranteed, but if it was for revenge, comeuppance was quite literally achieved. Anyway, back to this gorgeous music. Thank you. 
I can recall very clearly the first time I was introduced to the music of Handel. Born in Germany, but later a naturalised Brit, who is buried in Westminster Abbey. In the same way that I try to bring pieces which I enjoy to your attention, a schoolmaster was keen to enlighten a small group of us with a great man's music, and did so with one of the briefest and most exhilarating passages ever written by anyone. It had an instant effect. Handel and Bach, born in the same year, came to epitomise that category of music which we now call the rock, a period roughly spanning 1600 to 1750. Bach seems to enjoy most of the glory these days, but Beethoven heralded Handel as the greatest composer that ever lived. I would uncover my head and kneel before his tomb. His thirty years in London brought him great wealth and popularity, doubtless assisted by being a favourite, eventually, of George III. His wealth might also be attributed to the fact that he was a very private man who never married and had no children, unlike Bach, who found time to father twenty of whom ten survived adulthood. There are dozens of pieces which could be said to embody the Baroque period, but of the short ones, the arrival of the Queen of Sheba takes some beating. The Queen of Sheba was a biblical figure, whose visit to Solomon in order to exchange all manner of gifts and riches has been widely covered in a variety of texts, but it's Handel's musical narrative which grabs the most attention nowadays. It oozes exuberance with just a handful of strings and some woodwind, Uplifting, joyous, sprightly, it's small wonder that it's often used to announce the arrival of a bride at her wedding. This particular recording, performed by the Academy of Ancient Music, led by Christopher Bucknell on the harpsichord, is so speedy that I suspect if Handel had heard it, he might have wondered if the Queen of Sheba was running late. For this humble enthusiast, it's perfect. It's lively and fresh, but with a controlled momentum and especially fine playing by two oboists on original instruments.
it for now. Thank you for listening to Perfect Pitch with Nick Healy Hutchinson. He'll be back again next week with some more treasures for you. So please do join him then. And you can subscribe to this podcast by clicking on the link below.